Welcome to The Stanza, a show for investors and entrepreneurs in the creative industries. I'm your host, Nadine Cho, and I'll be sharing stories of unique people creating their own paths. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Today's guest is Haley Mack, founder of Sense London, a boutique candle brand that has partnered with Elton John and Selfridges, StockX, Nando's, Adidas, Lush, Barbie, and the list goes on. I met Haley in Milan, and despite all her recent success, she struck me as the definition of quiet confidence, and this is a quality I really find admirable in entrepreneurs. We chat about brand storytelling and the power of relationships to get the right visibility for a new brand. Her story is so inspirational, and I know there will be several gems that any creative entrepreneur can take away. Presenting ideas is a crucial skill for all entrepreneurs and investors. Whether you're crafting a pitch deck to investors or to clients, running a team meeting, or creating a website to convert new customers, Gamma is the perfect tool powered by AI to make it easy to create presentations. You can ask Gamma's AI chat function to create a first draft based on your audience and objective, and you can easily format the presentation to suit your needs. It's a huge time saver, and I cannot recommend it enough. You can also track engagement and views to see who's looking at your presentation and how much time they're spending on each section. Really, really valuable. Gamma is free to try and I will leave a link in the show notes. Now back to the episode. Hi, Haley. Welcome to the Stanza podcast. Hi, Nadine. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Let's dive into your story because I remember you telling me that you started Scent London after you were furloughed during the pandemic. So tell me what was going through your mind in those moments and how that led you to start making candles a lot of my career I've always been surrounded by creatives working with agencies within big brands you know videographers photographers and I think that element of what I was doing was (laughs) taken away and you know stricken stricken from my identity overnight due to the pandemic so I was really left with you know a lot of time at home Um, I took to the hobby of candle making And yeah, I just really enjoyed doing that at home in my spare time. And I think, you know, the first um, attempts were awful. They gradually improved. Um, But during this time, you know, um, when the whole world was on on pause, um, I really took this time to, you know, educate myself on the candle market and research what sustainable materials can be used to ensure candles are 100% natural and ethically made. And from that, um, yeah, moments later, uh, it feels like St. London was born. And you mentioned that you were doing a lot of creative work. What exactly were you doing before St. London and how did that help you build your brand? Previous to St. London, I've always worked in, in brand marketing for the last 12 years. So I've had the privilege of working at some really big brands such as Monster Energy, looking after their global music partnerships, whether that's predominantly, you know, with talent or with brands and festivals all around the world. Formula One, I did a lot of their VIP and talent. Um, invites to races and lifestyle partnerships with the likes of Bathing Eight. So very much worked in brand marketing on the creative side, um, predominantly 
in sport, music and entertainment. I even had a stint of working in Dubai for four years at a, a big venue called Blue Marlin, which you probably recognise from Ibiza. But yeah, that, it was a lot of varied roles, um, whether that be, you know, working on big uh, 360 campaigns, uh, PR and communications, social media management, talent partnerships, brand partnerships, executing those physically and digitally through media campaigns so that kind of varied I suppose history uh, of my career really helped me formalize a brand and steps that you need to implement in the in the early days all of that kind of knowledge and experience um which I was fortunate you know to have throughout my career uh, it was kind of like this big potion of to create something of my own which I never I never actually dreamt that I'd have my own brand I kind of always thought that it would be an agency that I had where I kind of used my consultancy as a marketing expert to help other brands. But luckily, you know, I was furloughed. I had that time at home and started experimenting with candles and really just, yeah, went for it. I want to dive a bit deeper on your placement strategy because it seems like you know, you're know you competing in a sea of candle brands, right? Mm-hmm. But the way that you're able to stand out is by clever placement Mm -hmm. and I want to talk a bit more about how you go about asking for these partnerships and what that process is there and I'm sure your previous background working for those massive brands Mm -hmm. definitely gave you a leg up but what are some of the best practices and etiquette that you're mindful of when you're approaching these types of collaborations with these really high profile brands slash people I think just to to back kind of step a few steps here more about you know Scent London and how we're kind of different from any other candle brands is I positioned the brand and I did quite early as a unique candle collectible so what I always say and what gets people really excited is that we've created this lane of our own where we're somehow floating between the lifestyle kind of adult toy collectibles, cause Medicom, and then your luxury candles like your Lalabos, your Diptyque. But we're giving people, you know, these additional elements to kind of homeware um, that are collectible and, you know, functionable as a candle as well. So that always intrigues people. I think from the get-go when I'm approaching any collaboration whether it be Elton John or Adidas or something that we did with Kareem Benzema for the World Cup it's all about network relationships building that authentic relationship with the person but then also you know figuring out what their objectives are as an individual or as a brand in its entirety and how you can help them navigate that objective and you know almost use the product that we're creating as a part of the collaboration to be the vehicle of you know the story that they need to tell to a certain audience or if they need to engage a certain media title in the lifestyle sphere or if it was you know more broadsheet that they wanted to approach it's kind of figuring out what their objective is from the get-go and really working collaboratively to reach that goal I always say that we're far more than a candle manufacturer but that's I suppose because how I've structured my team it's very very brand, community, storytelling first. The fact that we can make cool products as well is just incredible because any shape, any design, any kind of story is possible 
and we're always looking to work with brands and collaborate with talent and we always push their, their creativity as far as we can go often we get approached you know with brands saying to us can you do our logo as a candle and we're like we can but let's you know let's dig into a bit of a story let's let's tell your consumer something that they don't know through the visual kind of impact of this product that we're going to create pushing boundaries with with people's creativity giving them options in terms of collaborations is is uh, valuable to them I suppose because you're making them think outside the box I would say key thing you know always is relationship building often I go into these calls with brands where they've approached us with no sales technique you know it's really just about being creative and opening up a brainstorming session so that they can leave mull it over and then come back with this amazing idea that they're passionate about not that we're trying to sell them and then thirdly it's about the objective it is definitely all about fulfilling an objective and I think the reason why we've had so much success um, even the Tanqueray partnership that we did there were so many people within the Tanqueray brand team that um, had different objectives so we had obviously like the global brand people that wanted to fulfill you know talkability of the brand and positioning within the luxury market but then you also had the on-trade team that wanted something a bit more commercially driven that would go on shelf and actually sell and, you know, make a, a good profit. So it's always trying to figure out, you know, what the objectives are, how can we fill them through either a campaign or a, a product? And yeah, just ensuring that that's obviously weaved into all of our collaborations is key. That's a, a lot of nuggets. Like everyone who's listening to this and starting a brand, that's a lot of really good nuggets. So you mentioned the, the Elton John collab. I want to know the story behind that because it looks absolutely insane. Like that must have been a major pinch me moment. So what's the story behind that? It definitely was. I think the first call that I had with his team was on my birthday. And I actually think it was my 30th birthday. And I remember people saying, why are you working on your birthday? And I was like, it's Elton John. Come on. Like, <laughs> I need to take this call. <laughs> Something needs to happen. This story kind of it went on for a while because initially he was touring in the UK I think it was early part of 21 uh, or no, not 21, sorry, 22. And he hurt his leg. The tour got cancelled. But again, like the, the collaboration could have died with, you know, the moment that tour got pushed to the following year. But I kept in contact with the team, you know, built the relationship, made sure that I was felt a part of that moment before it even happened. And yeah, they got back in touch when the tour was secured again. We started conceptualizing what Elton's audience would would love. And we fell on the platform boot that's super iconic to all of his performances. There's many, many images of him, you know, <laughs> dancing around on the stage with these boots on. And so we use that as the concept that we we run with in terms of the 3D model. And then we created a, a beautiful glass candle that was sold alongside that using all of the kind of like the assets from his Yellow Brick Road Tour. And the, the other beautiful thing was that Elton picked the fragrance himself. So when we're developing candles, whether that be for brands or whether it be for talent like an Elton, we really try to get them involved in the creative process. And again, it's a... It's a small nugget and it's another story to tell when we go out with that, you know, that launch campaign is Elton actually picked this fragrance himself. And it's almost a small part of him and his personality has been developed with this product and is in this product. So 
yeah it was it was amazing it was sold exclusively in selfridges and um, it was in the corner shop for six weeks people often message through St London or they find me on my personal page and I have these moments when I'm talking to communities and I was actually invited into these <laughs> Elton John super fan um, their Facebook groups and it was really nice because you saw the fans posting the candles and saying how amazing they were. And they also were numbered. So people were saying, oh, I got number one and I got like 25 and I got this. So it was just a really nice moment to be a part of. And I think off the back of that, we got some amazing press. We were featured in in um, Forbes, the Daily Mail. It just gave us a different, a completely different angle, I think, to any of our other collaborations where we're typically shown up in lifestyle press Um it really bored in that wow yeah that's that must have been insane to be in yeah. Selfridges to like walk in there and be like oh my god there's my brand that I started not even like a few years ago yeah Selfridges were one of the first stores to ever come to us to ask to stop our core collection way back in 2020 it was literally 2020 it was March 2020 was when I was furloughed Um, spent the summer you know experimenting researching figuring out this brand identity of what I wanted to create and this community we put our first product out I think it was in in October or November I set up officially the company a limited company and I received an email from Selfridges like we want to stock your product it was a product it was one product (laughs) and I was like surely okay is this real type thing I had a call with them and I kind of saw the opportunity here with I can either run with this and, and stock one product in Selfridges or I can build a relationship with this person and bring them on the journey with me whilst I'm developing my core collection, my range of candles, which ended up being a range of 10 candles. And then once I finish developing them, they'll take the full collection. And that's exactly what happened. So it was then, I think it was March or April the following year so not even having the brand for a year that Selfridges took our full collection and actually put them in um, the designer streetwear uh, room in menswear so we was the first ever candle brand to be positioned in that room typically obviously you would go in homeware but obviously we had that you know lifestyle positioning we were deemed more a collectible even though we were a functional candle so it was, yeah that was another epic moment I think way back then showing up in that space in Selfridges. Yeah and just to give the audience some context on Haley's Amazing Candles it's not like a typical candle brand. I mean the candle that sticks out to you the most is the the boombox candle which is just like that's you know when she says collectible candle that's what she means. Our best-selling candle is the boombox candle and the reason why why this drummed up so much noise was because we I say we it was very much I at the beginning I was you know crafting the candles myself I was working with you know elite experts in the product development um, area who are now very much a part of the St. London team. But the key thing here for me was if I'm going to start a candle brand and if I'm going to really start making products, I need to give people a reason to resonate with this product. And, you know, I need to give media and editors a reason to write about this product. So it was all about, you know, crafting a press release almost. (laughs) Well, no, crafting a press release that an editor could think wow like our audience are going to be really engaged with this like we need to write about it so for instance with the boombox I knew well firstly I knew I wanted something to to resonate with like the music kind of lover um and then I was like okay well 
the boombox is epic let's do some research around that i landed on a jvc rcm 90 model which was you know deemed the king of the boomboxes back in the day it was often in beastie boy sessions it was actually on ll cool j's first ever album cover called radio and there's actually a an image on our instagram where you can scroll and what we've created is almost like like for like but yeah that formalized the story that uh, sparked a sense of nostalgia with this consumer or even the lifestyle-esque what I call like hype community like the hype beast and the high stabilities of the world and yeah that was really where the collectible you know concept candles I call them sometimes were born through that initial project and then I think once that kind of clicked in my head it was like okay well I can create a product it's in a form of a candle that tells a story in someone's home you know it allows you when you have guests over someone's like wow that's so fucking cool but that's not any ordinary boombox this is and tell the story that's what really got me excited and, and that's really the thread that I kind of then weaved into everything that we do whether that's our core collection it's our collaborations it's always you know let's build this amazing story let's find this you know reason of why we're working together and then let's create this really engaging product that people you know share on their socials just because it's just fucking cool (laughs) yeah I think this is actually super interesting what you're telling me about positioning Mm -hmm. I think in the late like mid 2010s we saw a rise of these founder-led consumer brands you know like Glossier with Emily Weiss and like it was all about like the founder story and they're trying to create this like narrative that they could resonate with their audience and their you know potential consumers and then there's you know the the traditional product driven brands in the candle world maybe like a little labo it's like it's known for their scent and their smell but then I think what's interesting about what you're doing and what's unique is you're almost story driven or even more like audience driven because it's always in the perspective of okay like how is the audience going to experience my product versus like Mm -hmm. oh it's like my story as like a female founder you know founder of a candle brand or like about like the actual candle themselves but yeah I think that's that's really interesting and quite unique definitely I mean I've I've never really seen a candle brand before marketing in music sport and entertainment is <laughs> kind of like a bit of a, a new thing so you know I knew I wanted to, like I was saying to build a brand that attracted this community and I knew you know their interests are sport like music entertainment they they love all these things just the way that I love them often people actually say when they come to St London they visualize me like people that know me because there are you know threads that come through but I know I know we'll probably delve a bit deeper into this but I'd never wanted especially in the early days to be the face of the brand that was never my ambition it was you know I wanted to build a credible brand that told meaningful stories and attracted a certain audience build the IP of the brand and then luckily all of these amazing collaborations have come off the back of it and that's where I thrive as as my old kind of consultancy marketing person is delivering you know meaningful campaigns in brand partnerships. Did you sit down and think about your ideal customer demographic slash like what are their traits and what do they like before you thought of the brand or was it more of like an organic thing of like hey these are the things that I'm naturally interested in and so I'm going to build a product or a story for people who are like me like was it one or the other I think there was definitely an element of you know creating the product that I knew would be deemed 
cool, let's say, by this particular audience. But then I think, you know, after putting that product out and and creating that and crafting that and building confidence with this community, again, I always say like there's the community side of St. London and then there's the buyer. They're quite, they're two different people. And then once we built a stance that we are now known as the 3D crazy candle creators, and then it was about how can we create other products in our line that um, allowed all different types of consumers to enter and buy into the product. So for instance, like our bigger pieces, they, they take one day to craft. They really are art pieces. They range anywhere from uh, £140 to £210. And then it was like, okay, well, you know, there's a certain buyer, you know, that buys these sort of products that want, you know, beautiful pieces in their home. And it was, okay, now we want to be not only unique in um, shape, but we also want to be unique in perfume and the fragrances that we're working with. So then that's what led me to create the glass uh, candle range, which uh, retail at £58. So, you know, it was attracting that different type of consumer. That's still a bit of a considered purchase. And now we're doing minis, which, you know, retail at £22. So it's widening that net again and giving people an entry point to come into the brand. We also have a subscription model, you know, where people can receive a candle and some matches and a beautiful gift box every month. Again, a different type of consumer so we're really trying to not leave anyone out I want everyone to feel like they can be a part of the brand a part of the community whether they're going to cre- have these big interior pieces or they want this beautiful fragrance candle yeah so we definitely had like an audience in mind Um, I think that was more for the community but in terms of the buyer I think that was definitely built out as the journey you know progressed along the way and in terms of choosing the scents I'm actually a huge candle person I'm a huge scent person so like I love nerding out about different scents how do you choose the notes and like what's the process I'm I'm just curious like do you think about a memory or do you think about maybe a certain person tell me more about that creative process as scent London and this community that we've built my main ambition and I've also just started this mentorship program but my main ambition is that we can be almost like an open community where we can create products and collaborate not only with big brands and um, celebrities but you know just creatives designers uh, photographers videographers you know creatives from all aspects that can you know jump in and suggest ideas and be a part of that creative process so when we were developing the London Thing collection, which is a collection of six candles, glass candles, and the London Thing because each candle represents a different, you know, like district or town in London. So we have Notting Hill, we have Soho, we have Camden, Brixton, Shoreditch. I worked with a person, an individual, a creative from each area who who come along with me on the journey to develop the perfume. And the reason I did that is because obviously I had a perfumer that I worked with very closely and we, I had this idea to do this London theme collection, but I thought, okay, if I'm really going to tell the story of Notting Hill, I need to have a representative who can tell me and what memories this place evokes, you know, when they close their eyes, what do they visualize? And we went on that journey together, myself, the perfumer and the creative from that area to to kind of build this (laughs) perfume and they're quite complex perfumes that then you know were used in the the candle production 
Um, and it's a very long process. I think we went through, obviously we had six fragrances to develop. There was a lot of people involved. I think we went through around three to four samples and every sample you receive, you have like three versions of a different fragrance. It's all about creating, like you were saying, this memory or this visualization of when you smell it and where does it take you, like moment in a candle. For instance, with Camden, just talking about the creators, because they are amazing. Um, for anyone that lives in Camden would know the uh, Roundhouse, which is, which is like a concert hall. So I worked with a, um, a reggae singer who is a resident artist called Tiche. And together we developed the Camden Candle. Um, in Notting Hill, I worked with a, an amazing now artist called Anuska, who has a, her now studio there, is very renowned in London, again, to help me develop the, the Notting Hill Candle. It was a really beautiful moment because off the back of it, um, I realised that I'd created an all-female um, <laughs> an all-female team to develop these candles and didn't even realise. So then my kind of marketing hat come on, it was like, okay, now, how are we going to launch these? How are we going to start speaking to media about these candles? Like, we need to give people a reason to care and pick it up, ultimately. Um, so we launched it around International Women's Day. And we told the story through, you know, through that kind of marketing pillar throughout the year, let's say, because it felt like a natural fit. So there was a lot in there that I just said, <laughs> a lot about perfumery and how we developed them and, you know, collaborating with creatives to make ultimately the product have more purpose and, and meaning to that concept that you're trying to create yeah I mean that that concept of having these like neighborhood candles I think it's so aligned with your audience and story strategy because immediately people are like well if I choose the Notting Hill candle what does that say about me if I choose the Camden candle then you know it's like you're choosing something that represents you and what defines you as a consumer so I think that was a really smart move it was really it was amazing to see it obviously in in Selfridges as soon as we as soon as we launched it and, and, you know, people engaging with the product in London, you know, they're in London, they recognize the names of these places, perhaps they're even a tourist visiting and they're staying in Camden and they popped there and they saw it. So it was something, you know, very giftable as well about mm -hmm. those uh, candles. You mentioned something about having an all-female team and I actually want to dive into mm -hmm. that because I read in your Hype A interview that you had an experience working in mostly male-dominated environments, and mm -hmm. that affected how you approached the beginning stages of entrepreneurship. And I want to know more about how you built more confidence to just like go for it and like own your brand. I think most people <laughs> that are often surrounded by, you know, male-dominated businesses, especially in, yeah. in, in leadership in leadership roles. Yeah, I mean, it's very fortunate to work at, you know, Monster Energy. It is a very male-dominated sports business. Um, I learned, you know, a ton there, respect everyone that I work with. They're an amazing brand, amazing company, amazing leadership. But there's something that that kind of does to you from an institutional kind of level and, you know, frames your mind as a woman. And yeah, going into entrepreneurship and having my own brand, I didn't feel confident um, to be, you know, the face of the brand. And I felt that if the brand was deemed owned by a male, it would be more successful. And I think, you know, I could happily say now that I don't believe that at all. And I'd like to, you know, like use my voice to empower more females to 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 not think like that because I think it's quite an easy you know box to 
put yourself in or, or, or think like, especially in the early days, there was never, you know, an ambition of me to be the founder of Scent London. I wanted the brand to have the value, not because it was founded by myself. But I think now, you know, building confidence in the craft of what the making of the candles you know we have our own it started off as me you know crafting the candles by hand myself Uh, and now we I obviously have a studio in in London where I've taught other experts the craft and and now they're you know our wax experts that make all of our candles but then I also think you know along the journey a part of our product development process is that we do work with the elite of every step of the way. So whether that's perfumery, our refined mold making, our 3D sculpturalists, like everyone, I deem them as, you know, one of ones <laughs> in their space. They really are our 3D designer, you know, is often working on Lord of the Rings, like figurines. So the level of detail and, you know, the expertise that I have in my team has definitely helped me build confidence in, you know, being that a bit more vocal or being vocal about you know being the founder and what we do because they're incredible um and I think you know what we've done today the types of people that we've worked with brands we're collaborated with people coming back our community growing the messages that I get just talking about you know asking for advice the mentorship programs it's just yeah really helped build that confidence along the way the the hype bay thing that you read even things like that you know stepping out of my comfort zone and and doing things like that and being more 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 vocal is is helping yeah I think true confidence can really only be built over time doing hard things and getting out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I really like what you said about um being quietly confident mm. <laughs> um because a lot of people do male and female but imposter syndrome right mm. mm-hmm. and I, I often have that and I often um, wonder how this has happened all of a sudden and you know I'm, I quite often say I'm very thankful for the career that I've had or you know what I've done or the brands that I've worked at and the experience and the mentors I've had along the along the way but you know, someone quite quickly responded back to me a few weeks ago and was like, no, you're not lucky. You've you've worked hard, you know, to get where you are and the experience that you've had. And that really resonated with me because I, I thought back to all of the times where, you know, I've worked on big events and been crying backstage because something's been so stressful or this or all of those nuggets that you learn in your early 20s working in quite stressful environments or with people with you know big expectations I'm now very thankful for because my expectations are super high and I think that now shows in not only the products that we're creating but then also the campaigns that we put out uh, as a brand. And what's the hardest part about running a brand? Is it you know the the minutiae of deciding between um, for example, how how many candles should we sell through our own website or how many should we sell through like a physical retailer or is it more of like thinking about positioning and, and branding, which it sounds like that to me is, you know, your forte. But I'm curious as to like mm-hmm. what you think the challenges are t- in the present environment of running like a products brand. Positioning is, is key. I think if you truly want to be a luxury brand and and sell in Selfridges, you're not going to show up in your local supermarket, for instance. And so, you know, just ensuring that you're you're showing up in the right places, you're you're giving back to your community. So we're often supporting different events um, 
for instance, we've got, we've actually just been asked to do, to be a partner of the Women of the Year Awards, 69th like annual event. It's all about showing up in the right places and, and making those decisions and being very considerate about those decisions in terms of partnerships and stores. Also being diverse on socials and ensuring that our community are represented through even content we're putting out being considerate with positioning is definitely a priority I always say for me still now we're a young brand and we're coming up to three years old my priority is still like brand first and like product so if we sell candles you know we're stocked in some of the best uh, luxury stores all around the world but my focus is is still brand first product secondary and I think it will be for the next two three years I think it's a very delicate stage of a brand to really build longevity and not just ram products down people's uh, throats to sell 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 we want to be known for doing and collaborating with with cool people and bringing people you know wow moments and then also you know just showing up in different ways to a typical candle brand I've I'd never seen you know a candle brand publicly collaborate with like a an Elton John before or you know an Adidas and create Kareem Benzema's head <laughs> as a candle as a part of a World Cup campaign so we just yeah we're all about doing things differently and yeah we've got we've got a lot of exciting things coming this year and I'm just yeah really excited to share because it's it's definitely you know the unexpected can you share on the on the episode or no well i actually can no 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 so well we we are we're collaborating our next, our next big collaboration is with lush um you've probably heard of them or, or smelt them before we're working on something with them and that's going live that's going to be very pink <laughs> let's just say um so there's some inspiration there um but yeah, we've got an event tonight um, that we're heading to um, where the products are going to be showing up. So I'm sure you're going to see that soon. And yeah, and then later on in the year, we are going to be developing like our first ever St. London show home, which we're going to use as the backdrop for um, content creation for the upcoming two or three years where we've delved into a lot of partnerships with more kind of design and interior brands. And again, I think typically we are sport, music, fashion-led collaborations, and this really allowed us to enter a different space and ultimately speak to a different consumer, speak to different media editors, branch out a bit. So that's super exciting. I'm really, I'm really like keen to share more, but it's a little bit on the um, <laughs> NDA side at the moment. <laughs> That all sounds super exciting. As a way to conclude the interview, I always ask guests if they have any advice for aspiring entrepreneurs. Don't put too much pressure on yourself to have it all figured out, I think, from the beginning. Um, you could, you know, work on a three and five year business plan, uh, start your business, uh, a trend will happen and you need to adapt or, you know, change your roadmap. So be willing, you know, to adapt. And if something needs to change change it the lifestyle I suppose of an entrepreneur can be a lonely one but surround yourself with a great team I think one thing if I could go back to the very beginning it would be build a team 
quite quickly with trusted or you know experienced people that you've worked with previously just ignite your network often people are worried about how they're going to reach someone or or make this you know relationship and nine times out of ten you're one degree of separation away from where you need to be through a certain individual so activate your network activate your relationships because yeah you know network is is uh, is key with starting your own thing and just you know being your own cheerleader and even when (laughs) times are tough or you're feeling stressed don't be too hard on yourself because wow it can get tough and it can get stressful and things go wrong but yeah, you need to you need to just stay focused and the the 6 a.m. starts and the 3 a.m. finishes for the first year, two years, they do pay off. <laughs> so just keep focused because it will all be worth it and yeah, just believe in yourself. Thanks, Haley. That was such good advice. I'm gonna be listening to that again, I'm sure. When I'm, <laughs> when I'm in that in the trenches. Oh, I know, yeah. We've all been there. I had one of those days today and I'm just coming out of it, luckily enough. <laughs> but um it's a great thing to to build something that you're passionate about. And if you can turn it into your lifestyle, which I feel like I have now, you know, no day feels like work, even though sometimes it's it's stressful, that's when you I think you really thrive and when things start really happening for you is where when you can make it a lifestyle. Lovely. Thank you so much for all the wisdom you've shared about entrepreneurship and yeah, and marketing. I learned so much in this conversation. Oh, thank you. It was lovely. It was lovely being on and lovely chatting to you. And yeah, I can't wait to to listen back too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, Haley.